0: Our meditation for this 17th Sunday after Trinity is on our Gospel reading, Luke 14, verses 1 through 11. Hear the word of our Lord. One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy, But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the gospel of our Lord. God be praised for his glad tidings. Now, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The president was set to get on his aircraft. Having just had an important meeting, it was time to head home. Standing at attention nearby, an Air Force corporal looked nervously on as he watched the officials pass by. Something was wrong. Very wrong. "'Disastrously wrong, and it seemed that he was the only one to notice. "'The poor enlisted man started to sweat bullets. "'He had to say something or else it could mean a difficult time for everyone. "'The president was heading to the wrong aircraft. "'After a moment, knowing that time was running out, "'he gathered up his courage and broke ranks.' He had to get to the President before a wrong flight led to national embarrassment, scandal, or even worse. Mr. President, Mr. President, he exclaimed, that's not your aircraft. Pointing to the helicopter that he was scheduled to fly on, the young corporal said, this one is yours, sir. We can only imagine the sheer stress this man was feeling at that moment. It takes a great deal of bravery to approach a man who could fire you on the spot. Have you thrown in the brig, or have his secret service goons beat you senseless? It takes even more courage to approach this man and tell him he is wrong. Yet in this moment, upon hearing, "'That's not your aircraft,' The president made a wry face at the young man and reminded him ever so gently that he was the commander-in-chief. He spoke a mere four words to the corporal, they're all mine, son, and then he directed the quote-unquote wrong pilot to take him where he needed to go. Now the corporal, of course, lived to tell this apocryphal tale of his encounter with President Lyndon Johnson. In scripture, there are other instances where the saints have had to exercise a similar bravery. As we see with Esther approaching the king, though Esther was his wife, King Ahasuerus could have had her sent away as his previous wife Vashti was, executed for dishonoring the royal court. John the Baptist also took the same courage when he confronted King Herod for his adultery. Unlike King Ahasuerus having compassion on his wife, King Herod had John imprisoned and ultimately beheaded. Amid these and other instances, we can gather one very important piece of wisdom. Be careful if you approach the king, because your life is in his hands, for better or for worse. When we go through our gospel reading, we must keep in mind that Jesus Christ is King of Kings, and Lord of Lords, the ruler of kings on earth. The Pharisees did not know this, though they should have, they knew the Old Testament like the backs of their hands, yet they did not recognize the signs of the Christ's arrival. And so they were left in the dark, arguing with our Lord constantly. It is a sign of his immense patience and mercy that he did not destroy them for the three years of irritation they provided and the murder that they ultimately committed. But as our eyes have been opened to the true identity of our Lord, Let us go over this passage with this in mind, that he is king. Remember that at this time, most of the Pharisees were hunting for various ways they could catch our Lord giving a false teaching, speaking a lie, or uttering blasphemy. They did not know that Jesus is truly the Christ and king over all creation. Knowing their ignorance, certainly there were a few at this dinner who were engaged at this same rotten game of gotcha. And Christ reveals this by provoking them. A man was there with dropsy, with the fluid swelling his limbs, limiting his function and causing great pain. This means that when our Lord heals him, there could be no doubt that the event is a real miracle. The hard-nosed Jewish leadership could not claim that he was engaging in some parlor trick. They would have to admit that he truly alleviated real suffering on this particular day. Such a fantastic, undeniable, supernatural healing kept the main subject in the forefront of their minds, that our Lord healed a man on the Sabbath. Christ asks them, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? This pits their understanding of the law against his. The question he asks stumps them, especially as he compares this situation with the edema inflicted man to saving an animal. They cannot answer because they know that anything they could say would make them look foolish or wicked. One might answer with, I would not save my son or my animal on the Sabbath, and he looks like a wicked father. Another might say, yes, I would save my son or my ox, but I would not save this man on the Sabbath. And if he said so, the question is waiting for him as to why his ox is more important than his neighbor. People were required to rest on the Sabbath day, But did the Sabbath nullify our Lord's command to love your neighbor as yourself, especially when they are suffering? Of course not. Jesus Christ is king. All of these commands are his to make. Who would you rather trust when it comes to interpreting a law? A few lawyers or the one who made the law in the first place? So he declares that it is a lawful and good thing to heal on the Sabbath. Loving your neighbor is more important than getting your rest. This is the decree and interpretation of our great king. Had that conversation gone on, we would expect him to say, All of these laws are mine, son. Now at this point, our Lord has proven that he is the Christ through healing this man. There is no faking it. There is no pretending this did not happen. Our Lord backs up his statements on the law with a miraculous healing. Typically, we do not read passages like this with royalty in mind. But our psalm for today in the lectionary, Psalm 2, is pretty clear. It says in verse 12, Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. When our Lord is teaching us something, about the law or the commandments or how we love our neighbor, he is not just teaching. He is telling us how it is from his divine authority. The law comes from God, and Jesus Christ is God. What he says goes. So if our psalm says that the son's wrath is quickly kindled, why is it that he takes such pains to patiently teach and speak to these Pharisees, men who wanted him dead? Because, beloved, our Lord is humble and he is patient. He gives a parable to the Pharisees, about placement in a wedding feast, how it is unwise to sit in a place of honor at a wedding feast. If you were not supposed to be honored, you will be humiliated as you are brought down to a lower seat. If you instead take a lower seat than is intended for you, you will be brought up and honored instead. To the synagogue ruler and his friends, this must have been a rankling, irritating teaching as all the scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees loved to be honored among men. So our Lord says, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. No one at that dinner understood that our Lord was doing that very thing. No one there understood that God was in that very room with them. Standing there in his human nature, having departed from his glorious throne in heaven, he humbled himself beyond measure in order to save us. And though he could have demanded worship and fealty and all manner of honor among these men, he was instead humble enough to stay at this dinner, teaching the scum of the earth what it means to truly love their neighbor, even on the Sabbath. Irony of Ironies The Pharisees looked down upon the one who would one day be exalted far above anyone else in the entire universe. Now, having died for our sins and risen for our justification, Jesus Christ is held up with all authority in heaven and on earth given unto him. He humbled himself more than anyone else ever has and so he is exalted more than anyone else ever will be. He is given more honor and exaltation than all the princes, kings, presidents, and magistrates in the world combined. And yet, he remains humble. Humble enough to offer salvation to all who trust in him, and to bear patiently with our sins until he returns to make us Perfect, Though he could demand more and more from us, our Lord continues to have the perfect servant's heart as he blesses, forgives, preserves, and advocates for us all to our Heavenly Father. This is why he was patient with the Pharisees, because he is humble enough to be patient with us all. So as Christ is humble, and as he is exalted, he calls upon each and every one of us to be humble as well, that he may exalt us, rewarding all of his servants upon the resurrection. This rings especially true for those of us with any authority over others, Managers and magistrates, fathers and husbands, parents and teachers and police officers, we are called here to look to the example of Christ. He who is patient with us, who never exerts his authority with any sinful malice, calls upon us to exercise our offices with the same patience and humility. Certainly we might have our, they're all mine, son, moments, where we inform those in our care of our position. But we are not permitted to browbeat, abuse, or harm them for some supposed insolence on their part. May we walk in humility, knowing that Christ shall raise us up in due time. Now the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.